Hello there, Words by Winter listeners. It's Allison McGee, your host, recording this in Southern California. Yep, still here. In case you are interested in the progress of the baby plum tree, which, if you recall, I had thought was dead from neglect. But no, that was just me, a northerner so used to weather drama when winter turns to spring that I just didn't understand that the baby plum was merely winter dormant. Side note, it is hard to use the word winter in conjunction with Southern California, but of course there's winter here. Who knew that growing up in extreme weather could result in a near inability to recognize weather nuance? It's an, it's, I'm biased, okay? I'm biased toward dramatic weather. Anyway, I went out to the baby plum tree this morning and I started counting the teeny tiny baby plums on it. I stopped when I got past 100. If these baby plums are anything like the baby apples on my Minneapolis backyard apple trees, most of them will not turn into actual plums, but still, from one plum last year to hundreds of baby plums this year, I am extremely impressed. So here's a question for you. Have you ever spent time and energy, lots and lots and lots of time and energy trying to make someone else happy? Spent hours thinking up something you could buy them or make them or cook for them or do for them just to bring even a tiny bit of happiness into their lives? You probably have. Maybe you love or loved someone who's depressed most of the time or who's facing an awful diagnosis, or nearing the end of a long life in which they loved you and you loved them back. And maybe you just want to bring them some kind of little tiny bit of joy, however you can do it. And that is a very familiar feeling, isn't it? But here is a second question, and this is a tougher one. Have you ever spent time and energy Lots and lots and lots of both. Trying to make someone happy who treats you horribly, who doesn't love you, who sneers at you, who accuses you of making their life misery, but to whom you feel an unaccountable sense of weary obligation. Someone you might feel that weary obligation toward because you are related to them, and so you just keep trying. This poem by Lee Ann Roripaugh stunned me when I first read it. It still does. Here is the poem for you. It's longer than most of the poems we read here on the show, and there's a little bit of Japanese in it. And I don't speak Japanese, but I'll do my best with it. I think of this as a story poem, one that takes us on a journey within 
and outside the narrator and their mother. Currency, a mapping, Jishin no Ben, by Lee Ann Rorapaw. One, what you don't want is for your mother to feel lonely. So you sit with her on the phone when she speaks Japanese, even though you don't understand. Hantoni, you say when she pauses for breath, imitating the various cadences of the phrase remembered from childhood when she spoke with friends. Secretly, you used to think of it as the language of birds. You match the inflections of her voice, quiet and conspiratorial, surprised, outraged, scoffing. Hantoni? Sometimes it works for a while, but always, as in English, her tone becomes keening, aggrieved, and she turns on you. Two. In fall, the house sparrows flash mob and flock in your backyard bushes and trees, splashing like hopped-up lotto balls into bright puddles of rain glazing the asphalt in your alleyway. They form a tiny horde with the same tyrannies, the same totalitarianisms as the year before. They are ruthless, smashing eggs, murdering chicks in their fight to stake out nesting sites. They shriek and keen and cheap. What your mother used to say was the sound of pichuka, pichuka, bird singing. Three. You can't know what you don't know when your mother excoriates you over the phone in Japanese, but there are words you recognize. Baka, for example, or busu, spat at you in the same contemptuous tone she uses to spit them at you in English. Stupid and ugly. Shortly before she slams down the receiver, yanks the phone cord from its socket. You think of the linguistics of electricity how currents can be translated into watts, volts, amps, and ohms, how the currency of energy is different in other countries. You think of the rain of sparks, electrical fire, when plugs are jammed into the wrong sockets. Four. Because the only thing you do for your mother that's ever made her happy is to provide her with an infusion of cash, because no amount of cash you give her will ever be enough. Because she doesn't actually want to spend the cash, just hoard it and hide it, because then it will be all hers and not yours. Because when she can't find the cash she hides, she likes to accuse you of breaking into her room while she's sleeping and snitching it, because you are, she tells you, a complete useless. And because you just want her to be happy. You send her envelopes fat with stacks of fake currency. Five. This used to be your favorite time of year. How the currents of the river become chilly and more muscular, dappled with yellow leaves that seem like bright fish but aren't. The way house sparrows raid the black currant bushes in quarrelsome throngs, then attach themselves to the upstairs window screens with their tiny feet, plinking and strumming the steel mesh like atonal guitars, while the cats slowly lose their minds inside. How night's dark spill of hair is silvered by cool threads of wind, the feeling of autumn like a circuit of electricity, a golden tourniquet tightening around summer's end.
that is it for today's show, my friends. Thank you for listening. Spread the word by sending the link to someone else who might like it and give us a good rating if you're so inclined. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music by Kelly Krebs. Artwork by Mark Gary. Today's poem, Currency, a Mapping, Jishin no Ben, by Leanne Roripaw, is featured here with kind permission of the poet and was originally published in Boulevard, later to be reprinted in Verse Daily. In addition to being a poet and the former South Dakota Poet Laureate, Leanne Roripaw is a professor of English at the University of South Dakota and the editor-in-chief of the renowned and wonderful South Dakota Review. Words by Winter is created and hosted and everything by me, writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through. I will go in search of a poem to help us through, help you through, help us through, all of us. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or drop me a line at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more information about me, my books, and the writing workshops I teach online and would love to see you in, go to alisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life. Because it's very rough out there. We must help each other through. We can help each other through. See you soon. Mm -hmm.